0: In today's episode, I'm joined by Joyful Health coach, Amanda Reynolds, to interview Christian counselor and educator, Lisa Peck.
1: Lisa talks with us about healthy coping skills, relational healing, and embracing a mindset of practicing.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to head to joyfulhealth.co to access our signature course, along with more resources to help you integrate faith and health. Hey, Welcome to the Joyful Health Show. I'm Aubrey, Registered Dietitian. And I'm Casey, Personal Trainer. And together, we are here to help you discover joyful health by grace. everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the joyful health show today we have the privilege of speaking with lisa peck she's a christian counselor and educator and we're going to talk to her about healthy coping strategies so thank you for being here lisa i am so excited looking forward to what god's gonna do all right, so just to give you guys a background, Lisa
1: has a double master's in counseling and Christian education from Denver Sem- Seminary and has been a pastoral counselor in practice for over 25 years in Huntsville, Alabama. She specializes in spiritual formation, grief, addiction, co-addiction, as well as issues surrounding infertility. As a relational educator, Lisa has a heart for helping people experience and develop relational health facilitate better communication around emotional and spiritual issues. She and her husband, Carl, have been married over 27 years and love camping and travel.
2: That's me. Yeah. <laughs> and I've yeah. had
1: the privilege of learning from you. So I'm so excited for you to share with others just some of the wonderful things you've taught me.
2: I am delighted, too. It is um, it is a deep passion and conviction of mine because my mom was anorexic when she got married and Mm. had serious anxiety and depression related issues. And that carried Mm. over in how my sister and I looked and there's a lot of pain in my own story related to that. I am a kid of an alcoholic or two. And I kind of describe it as I'm a beloved train wreck and the work Mm -hmm. of redemption in Jesus is real. I'm living proof. Mm -hmm. When I was a sophomore in college, I just crashed. I was not doing well psychologically, was really depressed, uh, binge eating, though I wasn't purging because I just, I will cry if I have to throw up. So I didn't. I didn't ever do that. And I already have GI issues. So taking laxatives was not a coping mechanism for me, Mm -hmm. but I would have moments of compulsive overeating to comfort and was really depressed. And my sister's Mm -hmm. friend took me to my very first counselor and Jovan asked if I'd ever, because I did really well in counseling. It was It was an exciting journey for me, really hard, but exciting. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if I had ever considered majoring in psychology. And so I just, I dove in. So that's where God kind of captured me in the midst of some of my own crazy, which helps me deal with other people today that just feel disqualified because they have a lot of trauma or a lot of life stressors or not many coping skills. So it it comes from that place that God called me into ministry. That so I'm really passionate about what you guys are doing. I'm very excited to be here today.
0: Wow. I didn't even know that piece of your story. So that is so amazing. Um, We're so thankful to have you here. And I love how I love hearing people's stories like that, how God just redeems the broken parts of our stories and uses them for good Um, and for, you know, um, others. And so I would love to hear, you know, we're going to talk about coping strategies today, actually. So it's awesome that you brought that up. Um, But I would love to hear what are your what are you really passionate about teaching people kind of what are your areas of, um, I don't know if we want to say favorites, but.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely. And because the field of counseling is so vast, we can't be great in all things or focused in all things. I, I really, I think probably my overall passion would be, um, it's kind of a combination. I, it's, I believe in relational health, in relating to ourselves and to God and to others in healthy ways. But I don't, I think people get really intimidated by that and think it's hard. And the truth is, part of my excitement, just I'm a teacher. As soon as I learn something, I have to share it with 30 of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. I love taking a challenging, problem or issue relationally and trying to break it down into bite-sized pieces that make it mm. easy and even fun for us to grow in our relational health. So even in my counseling, I'm real interactive, real didactic. And I, I because that's how I learn, I think that's the easiest way to learn and to retain, but also to gain confidence and this is actually not as hard as I thought it was. And yes, this is awkward. Mm-hmm. So we laugh. Yes, welcome to humanity. We do not have to put each other on a tightrope, and don't have to get it exactly right. And I love helping to create an environment where people can learn how to do that. What do we do with heavy, hard emotions or topics? that's kind of my passion my jam i love spiritual formation i i really just think my call is as an intercessor and a discipler and i just get to do that in my relational coaching and my counseling sessions
0: uh that's beautiful yes yes and i feel like you know a lot of relationships are at the center of who we are and who we're called to be as humans and when that piece is broken um it can result in all sorts of you know, things going on in our lives. And I just love that. I, I know today we're, um, we have some specific people in mind. Um, Some people who have, you know, we all have brokenness, but for whatever reason, um, they've learned to deal with that brokenness through maybe some health behaviors that aren't so healthy, um, whether that is like you talked about in your past, binging or restriction or over-exercising, or even um, maybe someone who doesn't have, wouldn't have a full-blown diagnosable eating disorder, but they go to the next diet every single time mm-hmm. something hard happens because it's, you know, something that they feel they can control. Mm-hmm. Um when we're walking with mostly women through the process of letting go of dieting and letting go of some of these behaviors, it feels like there's this void in their life. Like, how do I process these hard things now? Now that I've had these- um, Crutches. Yeah, these crutches, right? Mm -hmm. Your coping strategies sort of taken away from me, even if they're choosing to um, let go of them, but what do I do now? So I guess just to start, Have you um, experienced, did you experience any of that in your own journey?
2: Mm -hmm. I definitely did. I was a compulsive over-exerciser when Mm. I was in high school and it looked legitimate. I was, you know, from a small town. And so you can be involved in a lot of things. And so every sport I could be involved in, I was, except wisely, which is a little shocking. My parents said you have to have one one season that you're not doing an exercise that you can just rest, which is honestly, I think beautifully balanced Mm -hmm. and healthy. I'm a little surprised (laughs) because there were so many other things that were clearly not healthy in my family system, but that was one thing they did so, so well, but I took exercising to an extreme. So I would be Mm -hmm. working out a lot And eating, like I could sit down and eat a large pizza and not gain a single pound. But then I would exercise on top of that. Because at that time, there was an awful lot of chaos relationally going on Mm -hmm. in my life. My mom was newly diagnosed with breast cancer, we had moved from a big city to a small town. Um, We had some family dynamics that were very conflictual, and I didn't know how to talk about that or process that. I didn't know what to do with those emotions. So like you mentioned, sometimes we get controlling in our behavior. That was something I felt like I could control. Mm -hmm. On top of that, because my mom had a distorted view of herself and then other people, I was affirmed and validated and supported for how strong and healthy and slender and slim and wow you move from a size this to a size that. So there was a lot of affirmation and a lot of confusion in my head about that. And as a kid, 14 years old, I didn't know how to I didn't know how to balance that. I didn't have somebody helping me like you you women are helping other young ladies and women to think through and to learn and to discern more keenly what are healthier ways, giving them a safe place to be able to talk about it. It's just, I did not, I did not have that.
1: Mm. It's super confusing because I would say even in Christianity, those behaviors are almost praised. They are. Over-exercising or overly concerned about healthy foods it's like oh good
2: job take
1: care of that temple you know and it's like "Mm."
2: nope nope yeah and i i would love to say that this is a done issue for me no i just don't Mm -hmm. have any issues in this anymore and Mm. i cannot say that
1: Mm -mm. it is a
2: continued process of sanctification
1: mm-hmm. because
2: you know the older I've gotten because of being a kid of childhood trauma mm-hmm. the way that works in my brain is I've had chronic stress which then later on in life and I'm in my mid-50s that can cause some internal problems with your intestines and your GI and mm-hmm. permeable intestines and allergies and all kinds of things so I've seen a specialist who then put me on a very very restricted, Eating diet for my health. But when you restrict and no sugar and no carbs and no this and no that, <clears throat> under a doctor's care, certainly we abide by that. But I will say that triggered me psychologically. Mm-hmm. It triggered me psychologically. And so then we can mm-hmm. just slip into those old default thinking patterns and ways of relating and um, all the emotions that ensue so yeah. it's complicated I wish it weren't mm, but yeah. it, it it is so keep doing what you're doing, ladies. Well done.
0: And that's, you know, that's a good point because we always talk about, you know, we we run like a 12 week course. Of course, 12 weeks is a blip in your whole entire life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just trying to get people off on that foundation. But We always talk about at the end, listen, you still live in a broken world or a diet culture centric world where like everything has a nutrition solution or supposedly, you know, um, and and so we're going to have to learn how to protect our hearts and be discerning on, you know, what voices we listen to. And, um, and that's a big part. And it's, it is a continual guarding and a continual, and as every season changes, like Amanda said, you know, Amanda's a joyful health coach and I'm a joyful health coach. And we still have to do that for ourselves. Um, and so that's a good, that's something good to just be aware of and um, to bring up.
2: And if I can add on to that, Aubrey, I think it, I think having a, a, who is it? Is it Kirk Thompson who said, we need to have a confessional community. Mm-hmm. We need to have a safe place where we're just encouraging each other in healthy, balanced living. It isn't, a, I'm done with the 12 weeks and ta-da, I'm finished. That's mm-hmm. not the economy mm-hmm. of heaven. Mm-hmm. The discipleship Process of who I am on Earth is being made into Christ's likeness, mm-hmm. and that's a forever journey. I, I'm even convinced that once we get to heaven, if God's kingdom is ever expanding, what's going to be peeled away from me is sin and pain. But I still think I can become more loving. Mm. More patient, those fruits of the spirit. I think I can continue to develop those. Mm. And could it be that's going to be part of our journey in eternity? I don't know. Mm. We'll be free of sin, which I can't wait for. But in the meantime, can we live and model that and encourage each other, make that normative in our here and now that it isn't a bad thing to say, I need somebody to help mm. encourage me? In a healthy, balanced living, I need people to remind me of mm-hmm. Psalm 34: taste and see that God is, He loves healthy food, He loves healthy drink, He loves moderation. He's a balanced savior. We are made in His image, we get to encourage each other in that space.
0: Mm-hmm. So I hear. Um, talking about just having that confessional community. And I think that right there is probably the biggest, what we would call coping skill, (laughs) if we want to call that a skill or a strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know it can be a struggle, especially in our current society to like cultivate that community. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, maybe to someone who feels like, you know, I've been praying for community, but I just feel super isolated. How do I find that?
2: Yes, such a good question. And it is something that I deal with every single day. In fact, before COVID, I had men's groups and women's groups because the people that I would work with were, I would say, okay, you've got to go out and do this. And they weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. They needed somebody to come alongside, to be with them, to help set the environment for them to start practicing talking about the things that are a little more vulnerable and scary to talk about. So being intentional is really, it can feel very threatening because again, here's the complexity. If you have a childhood story and even if you didn't have trauma, but maybe your, your parents were very shy and they didn't ever do anything social. So they didn't encourage you to do anything social and you have a bent towards being a little bit more passive, finding your people is, it is a gargantuan task. It is incredibly Mm -hmm. impossible. In those situations with those specific, I'll say women, if you are quiet, if you are shy, start looking for the most talkative, extroverted girlfriends you can find in your church, mm-hmm. in your neighborhood, in your small group, even at the grocery store, totally fine. Just look for them and see if you can begin to befriend them. Mm-hmm. Because what extroverts do? We love people. We can sometimes be a little more shallow, where my sweet introverted sisters cool. can be a little bit more quiet and go one on one and go a little bit more deeply. But if you have extroverted friends with you, they're going to be included. Well, let's get together. And you get to be a part of that. What then you as an introvert bring to the table is now you have a platform to practice stretching yourself. Mm. Amanda knows from the interactions that we've had in the teaching- I don't want us in our comfort zone and I don't want you in your danger zone relationally where you're having a panic attack or you just get shut down. But I do want you in your stretch zone. So if you're an extrovert, you need to slow down and go a little more quiet and a little more deep with people. And maybe as an introvert, just befriend somebody that's a lot more talkative and a big includer. It's not scary or hard for them. And they don't mind grabbing arms with you. I'm making a very complex issue a little more simplistic than it is. But that's a gen- That's a first step that some of our more quiet women who don't feel connected, where they can start. I love that you said practice. Because we
1: think sometimes relationships should be natural that's right. And we practice everything else in the world. So why not practice that?
2: You know, exactly. But we
1: don't learn that in elementary school. Oh, friendships need practice,
2: you know. Exactly right. And even the best of friends blow it. Mm-hmm. And again, even as a born again believer, I look at one another from the finished work of the cross, but I know I'm going to blow it. And I have mm-hmm. to be the kind of friend that says, even if you blow it, I am not going to become so offended. I'm going to take my toys and go home. Mm. I'm going to stay in there and say, hey, let's work on this because this is not okay. This didn't feel okay to me. So let's communicate through it. And if we need a third person to come in to just help us get over that speed bump so that we're stronger on the other side, let's please be committed to doing that because if you do not have that, then your practice is going to be a one and done. And that won't work. It will not be maintained. We have to know I can practice my relational skills and my communication and know that I do not have to do it perfectly. We would say a high environment of security and acceptance in that space.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah. I think about that even like in my personal experiences, when you have a relationship kind of goes sour, you have a conflict and then you just you just kind of bolt and you cut it off and you never, and then you start believing like, well, no one really accepts me for me, but we didn't give them a chance to work through that. Or, you know. Um, and it's so vulnerable
2: because mm-hmm. truly not everybody is committed to relational health. Not everybody is committed to let's resolve this conflict. Some people have learned, I'm just going to minimize it. And it's not that big a deal. It shouldn't bother me the way that it does. So we're not as honest or authentic with ourselves and with another person. This is part of why it's complicated and it's hard. So I think we got to band together as sisters and just keep practicing, giving each other permission to blow it and hey, we're going to work through this. We're going to figure this out. We're just practicing. Nobody mm. goes to Spanish and comes out speaking fluently the first time. Nobody does. Mm-mm. So I think it's the same. We're talking about hard things and pressing through hard things and staying balanced. All of that takes practice and it takes time.
1: I would say for me personally, when I'm having relational stress, that I don't fully deal with or come to a resolution with, that can really lead me into disordered eating or disordered exercising because I've got all these unresolved issues inside of me with tension. And I'm looking for some sort of control, some sort of something I can hold on to, you know, yeah.
2: where I can feel successful. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt successful in this verbal interaction. So I'm feeling tender. I'm feeling anxious. I'm going to go to potato chips for adrenal stress, or I'm going to go to chocolate because I just want that serotonin buzz and mm-hmm. I feel guilty. Then I feel ashamed. Then I exercise. So mm-hmm. I try to manage that. It it can end in a really quick level of relational chaos. Mm-hmm. And and in that space, what I also see in my own life personally, though it's a lot better in this area, but i I see this a lot in my practice that then people pull away from God as if we know in our head, God accepts us no matter what, but we tend to believe that we're disqualified as I know better. I've already been convicted about, you know, gluttony or idolatry or, you know, whatever it is. And I can't go back again to God. Mm. And that, that's the place I just keep reminding myself and others. God is always in a good mood. To those Mm. who are born-again believers, he's always in a good mood, big smile on his face. He sees the finished work of the cross. He is not pacing the hallways of heaven, worrying about what you look like or what you have just eaten or how hard you have exercised. He sees the finished work of his son in and Mm. through you. And being able to embrace that takes humility And it moves us to a lot of gratitude. And those are two things that help me stay grounded, no matter what. And I'd be humbled before the Lord and super grateful. That helps my heart stay open. Not easy, not easy to do, but definitely, Mm -hmm. definitely helpful.
0: Yes, man. Yeah, I, I can relate on so many (laughs) levels to that, whatever, whatever it is, if eating isn't your issue, you know, if um, some, uh, some other struggle that you have just repeating the same offense and then feeling like, well, surely not this time I can't go back, you know? Um, but yeah. he's always got a smile. He's never mad at you. I just love that. Mm. Um, so Lisa, I know we've talked about, uh, community and how that, and confession within community, mm. um, how that can bring healing, What are some other, um, you know, if someone's just at home by themselves and they're choosing between, you know, an unhealthy coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. you're just dealing with something really hard. Uh, Let's just say it's um, a stressful interaction with um, their child or a stressful interaction with a coworker, you know, something, a stressful relational reaction or interaction. What can they do? To put a stopper in between the reaction, the feeling, and the behavior. Maybe it's binging, maybe it's restricting, whatever it is.
2: Mm. There are a couple of things that I recommend that are easy. Yeah, I say easy. Go-tos when I'm by myself. One is pull out a piece of paper or a journal and start writing down what's going on kind of what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Now, I tend to like reflective journaling, which means I'm a I'm right brain. I'm really, I'm a strong feeler. So emotions are going to be my first idea. My husband's a thinker. So his thoughts are going to come up before emotions. So if you're a feeler, then you journal on the right side of the page, but you leave the left page blank. And if you're a thinker, you write on the left side of the page and you leave the right side of blank. And what it does when, when we're stressed out, it can take sometimes upward of 24 to 48 hours for the adrenaline to be Mm reabsorbed in our body for us to think a little more clearly. So after about 24 to 48 hours, I take that journal back out and I read through it. If I'm reading from the right side of the page, then I'm asking the Lord, what are the lies that I've believed as I read this? What are the lies that I'm believing? And if I'm left brain strong and I've written all my thoughts on the right side of my brain, 24 to 48 hours later, I'm looking for what are the feelings behind those thoughts? So that mm. reflective journaling allows me time to process. When I write it down psychologically, I am, I am distancing myself. I can become just a little bit more objective about what's going on versus if you're just ruminating over it and thinking about it it can stay locked in your head which sometimes is going to continue to lead to distortion mm-hmm. so we like to kind of put that out there so that's one activity some of that reflective journaling the other thing that I do and it it probably seems very simple but I have I have these prayer cards on my website that are different topics, but you don't have to pay whatever dollars for a prayer card. You can write some of your own, some that are your your favorite. So taste and see that the Lord is good. I would personalize that. Lisa will taste and see that the Lord is good. Lisa Mm -hmm. will be anxious for nothing, but with everything, with prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving, will make her requests known to God. Lisa will trust the Lord with all of her heart and lean, lean not on her own understanding, but in all her ways, she'll acknowledge uh, God, God will acknowledge, or, uh, you know, the verses sorry, Proverbs, mm-hmm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, sorry, but we per- personalize it. We put our name in that blank because there's something very powerful, I think, about praying scripture praying scripture for myself and over myself is important. Now, if you're right in the midst of the kind of emotional kerfuffle, that's not the time to try to go find the verses. You got to do a little preemptive work ahead of time where you can just find the verses that really speak to the specific issue. If it's fear-based, if it's based in hurt or anger, whatever it is, find those scripture that speaks specifically to that and then personalize it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are two very easy individual tools that I can use that just help me get a little bit more regulated, get a little bit more grounded. I think self-talk is really helpful. Lisa, you're just having a moment. Potato chips aren't going to give you the healing that you need. Just breathe. Mm -hmm. I teach a lot about look at the emotions that you have. So there are four things we do when we're dysregulated or we're emotionally bothered or upset by something. Find it, feel it, share it, get care for it. So find it as you put a name to what is it that's going on. Am I sad, mad, glad, scared, machine? Or some version of that. Feel it. Take a moment and just breathe. Where is this showing up on my body? With anxiety, if it's spiritual oppression, I feel it in my chest. If it's somebody's mad at me, I feel the nervous stomach. If I'm about to cry, my throat gets really tight and my eyes start to water. So recognize which emotion corresponds with which reaction in your body. So we find it, we feel it, then we share it. This is where the confessional community comes into play. I share that with a meaningful other, somebody who's going to be a good steward of my pain. And then I let them hear for me that Mm. it's not fixing it. It's not giving me a pep talk. It is Romans 12, 15. Mourn with those who mourn. It's matching an emotion, somebody validating that pain and communicating their compassion about it. That's what we do. Now, that's a relational interaction. The other examples I gave you were really more individual to help you get regulated, but reaching out is really important. Find it, feel it, share it, get care for it. That's what we do with
0: painful emotions. And that's like such a good teaching for how we can help respond to our loved ones Mm -hmm. pain when they share something with us. That's right. To look to that verse in Romans. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so I have a question. I think I know the answer. We'll see. When when you're in that situation where I love that right brain, left brain exercise, I've never heard that. And already I'm like, wow, that would be so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when you're in that situation and you're mad at a certain individual... (laughs) you know, and you're, you're, if you stay in your head, you're getting angrier and angrier, at least I, I will do that. Um, But doing that exercise, and then do you maybe wait the 24 to 48 hours before you then go talk to that individual to repair it? hundred percent. Yes. Which is where we get into big trouble. So in,
2: in my family, my mom would blow up and then she wouldn't talk to me for two or three days. So Mm. again, she didn't know how to do the repair work, but for that two or three days, it would leave me so scared. You know, are Mm. you going to leave me? Am I a terrible person? All those things that little girls kind of go through. So present day in my marriage, my husband is a slow, methodical, internal processor. God bless him, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which that means if he and I have a disagreement, I want to process it immediately because I want to feel connected to him again. Mm -hmm. He needs me to back up off his grill. He needs me to give him space to honor and respect him. So in that space, there is tension. What I do in that space is I do some of those individual individual things that we talked about. But what Carl does before he has that moment of break, he will reassure me. and mean, I love you. We're going to work this out. We're just going to work it out right now. It just gives me a sense of I can breathe. So mm-hmm. if you're in relationship, like with your kiddos and they say or do something that's painfully disrespectful and you want to just punch them in the throat, which is wrong. We know it's wrong. <laughs> but what we do is at first we breathe and then we just reflect. Do you know what? Mommy needs a minute to think. I don't want to say something I'm going to mean and I'm going to have to come back for later. So I'm going to ask you to just give me a minute because I need to make sure that I get my heart calm before we have this conversation. We're going to have this conversation. We're just not going to have it right. So trying to do that. And the more we practice honoring our own process, our own emotions, and we don't rush to reconcile, but we don't wait to reconcile. We try to keep it within that 24 to 48 hour period of time. Hmm. What you will discover over time is you become less and less afraid of conflict because from a calm place, I mean, think of, think of the arguments that you've had when you've just blown off the handle. or you know, And if you wait two days, you're like, oh, I was a little unreasonable. That's because the uh, your adrenal glands have just flooded your whole body with cortisol. So you're having a traffic jam in your brain. Nobody thinks or processes or communicates well. When you have a traffic jam in your brain, when we can let it calm down, it's much easier to actually bring resolution. And then we become less afraid to have conflict the next time and less afraid and more Mm. regulated. It's, it's just part of that.
1: I love that. And I think that it's, it works both ways. Like with kids, sometimes we expect them in the midst of a really stressful, overwhelming situation. We can just discipline them and they'll learn right away, but their brain isn't ready to learn in that moment they have to calm down you know
2: they do really really good point and I have to remember I don't learn I did not learn about communicating well with my husband the first time at it mm. I didn't we cannot put those expectations on ourselves or on other people It's okay. What what I say to my nieces and nephews is, do you know what? Your brain is growing. You just blew it badly. And there is going to be a delightful consequence for that, buddy. But your brain just grew. Isn't that awesome? So we don't want to shame or put down or disapprove of making a mistake. We don't want to wink at it and say, oh, this is no big deal, because it is a big deal. But we we really want them to have it normalized. Hey, welcome to humanity. You come on in. Water's not that cold. We're going to splash around. I wish that I were perfect relationally, kiddo, but I'm not either. We're all Mm -hmm. growing together. And when we just validate that, it takes the pressure. It just takes the anxiety that drives us. I've got to get it exactly right. I don't. That's not good for anybody. That's that's part of what leads us to overeat or eat to overexercise or become somebody who sits on the couch and just doesn't want to do anything. So it's some of the pain that's in our story behind that.
0: My conviction. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's kind of like, I just keep hearing talk about we're practicing. I mean, we're practicing all of these things. We're practicing communication and conflict management. Um, And that's what we tell people in Joyful Health. You know, we're teaching people to find that balance, to listen to their bodies, um, to kind of leave that old mindset of perfectionism and food legalism behind, and it's a practice. And yeah, we don't want that black or white, all or nothing thinking. All or nothing thinking. We want them to just just keep going. Like just get back up, try again, Mm -hmm. um, and know that there's really no past fail here. (laughs) This is just this is redemption. Slow, a slow, continual, eternal process. Um, And so that's beautiful,
2: and we We get to enjoy each other. Along the way, we get to enjoy the process. I mean, Amanda, you invited me to read your book and to be a part of that. And I, I get choked up. But one of the things that's just so sweet is the awareness of listen to your body. And I was craving calcium. And I gave myself permission to just savor, enjoy a Dairy Queen blizzard, which prior to that, I would just shame the cahoots out of myself. Now, I didn't have an extra large. I did go with a kitty cat, which is just better Mm -hmm. as far as calorie goes. But I savored every single bite. Mm -hmm. It was delightful. And I didn't have to have five more. I didn't have to Shame myself over it, and my body, which doesn't always enjoy dairy, just loved it. I had oh, yeah. no reactions whatsoever, yeah. and I, I chased hunger is real. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I I truly love what you women are doing. I truly love it. It just fits so keenly with what I do. To, yours is related to food and health and exercise and movement. Mine's more emotional, maybe and spiritual. But we're practicing. We're practicing. Mm-hmm. We're trying it out. We're encouraging each other in this space. And it is so important. I, uh, when you talk
1: about like relationships and practicing and how God sees us, it makes me think about how in Joyful Health we say, no food is really good or bad. Right. It's Food, we try to take the shame out of that so the that it's moral a neutral, issue. Yep. the moral issue. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we view ourselves like God views us and we don't good and bad ourselves to death, yeah, there's so much grace and freedom and consequently joy from Absolutely.
2: that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've definitely experienced that just in practicing honoring. What is my body saying? What is my mm. body needing? How can mm-hmm. I be kind to me? Now, this is one place where my husband has been so helpful in some of my temptations to be disordered in my thinking and my eating and my exercising and my my view of my body. He's really helped me stand firm on you don't get to curse over yourself. Mm. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Mm-hmm. You don't. Get to say that at least in my hearing any longer. I'm gonna hold you capable. Mm-hmm. Finished work of the cross is finished. And that that was helpful. It wasn't shaming, it wasn't judgmental, but it was lovingly firm. And I learned then to be able to say that to myself, but also to say that to others, because that wasn't something I'd ever learned. From my mom or from my dad in my family culture, my man had to teach it to me. And I am so glad he did. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't learn that along the way in my journey, mm-hmm. in my journey of counseling, but who cares? Jesus used him to do that and to be able to encourage each other in that space. Hey, let's be careful of what's coming out of your mouth that you're speaking. To yourself and about yourself because that also contributes to that heightened anxiety, that perfectionism, that fear, that all the anxiety and stress that contributes to us acting in ways and coping in ways that are not healthy.
0: Uh, what a beautiful picture of, you know, a husband kind of fulfilling that role to love his wife as his own body. Yes. I mean, literally like protecting you from saying those things against your body, which is a part of his. So that's just, Oh, it's really beautiful. Um, Lisa, I feel like we could talk to you for forever. <laughs> I'm like, What else can we gain from this with from this very wise woman? Um, but I would love for people if they want to be able to reach out to you. Can you I don't know if you're able to accept clients or where you're even able to see clients. But could you kind of tell us about the services that you offer and then where people can connect with you at?
2: Yes, this is the part that's hard because I don't have an administrator. (laughs) Uh, So I have a website called revive with Lisa Peck. It's all one word.com. And uh, people can reach out to me. That's probably the best and the easiest way. I have some tools there. That's where I have the prayer cards. That's where I have cards with you're trying to speak about um, giving comfort and you don't quite know what to say. How do you experience or live? Romans 12, 15, um, rejoice and mourn with one another. it's where you find some of that. Before COVID, I was actually doing classes where I would either have events that women could come and be a part of, um, all different things from how do I forgive myself and others and conflict resolution. And how do I build a healthy community? How do I remove shame-based relating all of those different kinds of things. But since COVID, we've gone everything for Carl and I are virtual because we're a little tired and we're staying really busy. So I am not at a place where I'm able to take any new clients, but I like can try to get you referred. At least here, if you're in my geographical area, I will do whatever I can. We know lots of folks in our community and even around the country that will do our very best to help get resources to people mm. that that need them. And when my schedule slows down, I'm always happy to, you know, I cycle new people in. You know, every few months as people cycle out. But yeah, probably the best way. Is and just
1: maybe one day you'll offer some Zoom
2: classes or something. Cause I would definitely love those. <laughs> I'm going to get a tech savvy person. That's, that's going to help me because that just produces total stress in my system. Yes. Think about that. But yes, I would love that. I love teaching and training and especially I love investing in the next generation. I I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I am so proud of you women. Standing firm in something that's so valuable and so needed. So keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to just keep referring folks and investing in you. I believe in you. I am just a giant champion. So whatever I can do to help you, you keep me posted. Maybe I'll just come back on if
0: that would feel meaningful and helpful.
2: Happy to do that. We'd love Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yes, I know. We're like, well, if she doesn't have any group classes, we'll just keep having her on (laughs) join our podcast um, to glean all we can. But This has been lovely and we're so thankful for you and for your time. Um, And we would be really honored if you would pray for um, all of those listening to this podcast who are listening and who will listen in the future.
2: Absolutely. Oh, sweet Lord Jesus. I'm just humbled. You are the wonderful counselor whose guidance is excellent. We just thank you. We pause and just acknowledge your goodness, your vastness your kindness, our great shepherd. You make us lie down in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. So today, God, would you restore our thoughts? Would you restore our emotions? Would you restore our choices that they would be made into the image of you, Christ Jesus? Those women that are scared and that are hiding, I just pray you would draw them out into your presence. And those who are way on the other side and too busy and just running at a frenetic pace, would you draw them into quiet rest? He's the Lord of our life. We thank you. We are humbled and so honored to call you our
0: daddy. It's in the name and through the blood of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Until next time, may you rest in God's grace and follow His joy. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening. A very special thank you to all our podcast guests along with Dwayne Golbeck for podcast editing and Maddox Schuler for writing and recording our podcast music.